Welcome back to Point of Insanity Game Studios Geekery in General Podcast. I am Al, and with me for the second week in a row, Steve. How's it going, dude? It's going quite well. Well, hopefully the Force will be with us tonight because we are talking about Star Wars. Specifically, we're going to be talking about Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Now, before we begin, uh, first, this it, it is uh, Saturday, uh, May 23rd, as we're recording this, uh, 2015. My Wounded Warrior Project bundle is still on sale at uh, DriveThruRPG or RPG Now, whichever site you go to. Uh, again, this will be the profits from this bundle will be donated to. Again, Wounded Warrior Project, a charity that helps American soldiers who have been injured in the line of duty. So, to start with today's topic, uh, we're going to talk about something else quickly. Uh, Steve, you've probably heard about the upcoming Star Wars 7 movie, right? Yeah. Have you had a chance to see any of the trailers yet? Not really. I haven't really been looking at them because last time I looked, most of the ones I found were actually fan-made trailers that had absolutely nothing to deal with the movie. So you you haven't had a chance to see any of the new Star Wars 7 trailers? I haven't really searched yet, but... Hmm. That's weird because, yeah, because uh, I know that's it was all over the internet. There's uh, two of them they've released so far, so... I was just curious what your opinion of the new trailers was, but since it sounds like you haven't seen them yet, I guess there's no point in really asking you that opinion. Yeah, that, that would be kind of hard for me to give my answer out, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, if you go back a few episodes, though, I did an entire episode just on my own about uh, my impressions of the new Star Wars 7 trailers. They look interesting. Uh, there's a couple new characters they're introducing, Finn and Ray, and I don't know, they, Finn seems like a pretty interesting character. It looks like he's probably a stormtrooper who turns away from the, uh, the Imperial forces, or rather what will be left of them. And then, uh, they did highlight some of the new, the returning characters briefly, Luke Skywalker. Uh, they didn't show anything with, Princess Leia yet, and then they had a quick shot of Chewie and Han, where, of course, Han Solo's like, Chewie, we're home, and, um, and of course, there were several really impressive-looking flight scenes with the Millennium Falcon, there was some stuff with X-Wing, so look them up when you have a chance, just go to YouTube and look up Star Wars Episode Seven trailer, and you should find them pretty easy. But... That is not the Star Wars we are talking about tonight. We are going to be talking about a couple of uh, Star Wars video games. Now, of course, there have been many Star Wars video games released over the years. Uh, other than the Knights of the Old Republic, how many of them have you played? Uh, I think two of them. Uh, Rebel Alliance and... Uh, uh, what was the other one? Uh, oh, yeah, Jedi Lightsaber. Jedi lightsaber? Yeah, it was a Wii thing where, uh, you know, you're uh, pretending you're the one fighting with the lightsabers. Force Unleashed? Well, that, them too, but no, it's a, it's a Wii game. Okay, doesn't sound familiar. Um, was that one that took place during the Clone Wars? Well, it's counterpart because it's actually two games in one. Okay. The other one is The Clone Wars. Yeah, because I played a few Star Wars uh, video games going back to the arcade back when we were a kid. Uh, don't you remember the Star Wars X-Wing fighter game that was in the arcade? It had the vector graphics and, you know, you were basically just flying. And, you know, it started out you were outside of the Death Star. You would blast away a bunch of TIE fighters. Then you'd fly in, you'd go into the trench and you'd blow up the core. Don't you remember that one? Oh, yeah. yeah it's been was, a while, but yeah, yeah, I can remember that one now. Yeah, it was just lines, but of course, back then when we were kids, it blew our minds. And then uh, another one I remember, there was the Empire Strikes Back for the Atari. That one wasn't too impressive. You're just flying around trying to shoot uh, eight 
at-ats until they get to the Rebel base. Uh, there were a couple of Star Wars games for the NES. I've played the first one. I didn't have a chance to play the second one. And then there were, for the Super Nintendo, there was Super Star Wars, Super Star Wars uh, Empire Strikes Back, and uh, Super Return of the Jedi. I've played the first and the, the last one, never played Super Empire Strikes Back. I have a friend who had, used to have Shadows of the Empire. I remember watching him play that one. Uh, another Xbox one I played was Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy. That one was a lot of fun. And then Force Unleashed 1. I know there was a Force Unleashed 2, but I haven't actually had a chance to play it. Oh, yes. And Lego Star Wars, and which focuses on the prequel trilogies, and then Lego Star Wars 2, which focuses on the original trilogy. So those, the Lego ones were a lot of fun. But, of course, we've both played the Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. It was, I believe, made by BioWare. And let's start with the first one. How did you first come to play Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic? How I first came across it was, uh, actually, that was the game that basically tipped it in my favor of forcing me to get an Xbox. How after, so? You know, well, after talking to a couple friends of mine, you know, that they were talking about it. And, I, and, you know, I've been holding off getting uh, the Xbox, holding off getting the Xbox. When finally, you know, they talked me into it, and I'm like, well, the only way I can play that game is to get the system. So, yeah, I think they did eventually release, well, I know they have released Knights of the Old Republic 1 for the whole, the computers as well, but I think the uh, Xbox version came first. I don't know if they've released Knights of the Old Republic 2 for the PC, but getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, I, I would think by now number two should be available, but I haven't really seen it myself either. Yeah, and well, the way I actually came across it is because of my wife. She decided in 2004 to get me an Xbox for Christmas, even though I didn't ask for it. And it was one of the first games I had. The first three games I've got for the Xbox were Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy, and Knights of the Old Republic. Because she knew I liked role-playing games, so she was trying to decide whether she would was to get... Uh, she was either going to get me Knights of the Old Republic or Fable. And she was kind of divided between the two, so she asked the person at... I think she got him at GameStop, but she asked the person at GameStop for a recommendation. You know, okay, my it's like, okay, my husband likes role-playing games. Do you recommend Fable or Knights of the Old Republic? And the guy recommended Fable because I'm not sorry, not Fable. Uh Knights of the Old Republic, because he said one of the reasons is uh Knights of the Old Republic had a longer playtime. Because they usually on your first run through the game, you know, for most people it'd be what, like 40, 45 hours? Depending on how you did it, if you went straight through or you yeah. just blew through it. <laughs> yeah, so the about 40, 45 hours, and I think he was saying that my wife was telling me that Fable, I guess, only had about a 20 to 25 hour play time. So looking back, I'm glad she did get Knights of the Old Republic because it did quickly become one of my favorite games. So what are some of the things that struck you about Knights of the Old Republic that made you enjoy it so much? Well, one, you know, it was the storyline saying that it took place, you know, 4,000 years before Episode 4. It was one of the things that uh, piqued my interest. And then you're playing through the game, and you're like, wow, they have all this 4,000 years before Episode 4? What the heck technology did they do in those <laughs> 4,000 years? Yeah, and that's one of the things I like, too, is because it, it was a time that I don't think they really established much canon for that time period. So I said I am glad that they not did. A, yeah, at least not when that game came out. That time era was in the gray. Yeah, so I am glad that they did decide to take us way back to the past as opposed to making something based on 
the three Star Wars movies that were, well, actually, no, um, uh, Knights of the Old Republic did come out, was it 2002 or 2003? Uh, it was probably around that time. Because, yeah, that yeah. means Episode 1 would have been out, I believe Attack of the Clones would have been out, and I think Revenge of the Sith would have been out as well. So, I am glad that they did decide to go back. Oh, yes, and there was another Star Wars game that I did play that I forgot to mention. Uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. So, that one was a lot of that one was a lot of fun as well. But back to the main topic. So Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Um, again, I like the one of the reasons I certainly liked it is same reason you mentioned it was exploring a time in Star Wars history that at the time they're really I don't think they really established much of what was happening at that time. So it really filled in a lot of details. And Another thing that I do really enjoy about the game, well, one of the biggest complaints I hear people have about role-playing games is a lot of time there's a lot of grind where you're basically walking around in circles for three, for 20 hours, getting in random encounters and killing enemies so you can level up and you know have enough experience points to go fight the next boss. Well, you don't have to worry about that in Knights of the Old Republic. Because, yeah, you can just kind of power your way through, but I did enjoy the fact that there were so many side quests and other things that you could do to get more experience points or sometimes items. So that was that was really cool. Um, also, the game did use the... Uh, well, at the time, Wizards of the Coast had the license to Star Wars, so they were the one making the Star Wars role-playing game. And it used a modified version of the D20 rules. So how do you think that worked uh, in context to Star Wars? you think it worked well, not so well? How, what was your opinion? Well, considering I, I have that D20 uh, Knights of the Old Republic RPG book, basically uh, it takes place, you know, like several years before Knights of the Old Republic 1 started is dealing with comic books that came out with that storyline that happened before that through episode Knights of the Old Republic 2 is basically what that book covers. Yep. Well, you're getting a little ahead of yourself. <laughs> a little ahead here. Well, so. You somewhat got a, got a little ahead of yourself here by introducing that before we talked about number two. Yeah, because I did like how they modified the, uh, the, the 3.5 rules. I thought the beat system worked really well with the uh with the, the the star wars system i mean i'm not sure how it worked with the actual role-playing game because i haven't played it but uh, assuming that it works in a similar fashion to uh, knights of the old republic it worked really well and that's one of the things i liked so much is the fact that there was a lot of character options you know you could focus on two weapon fighting you could focus on single combat or single lightsaber combat you could focus on ranged weapons if you wanted to and let's start by talking a little bit about the start of the game you're of course just in a spaceship being attacked by the sith and you get of course you had to choose one of three different classes which uh there were the the scout the rogue and the soldier i always liked the soldier what was your favorite class well i think mine was the scout was the one i mostly played uh, yeah, the Scout was a fun class, too, because I, I like how they had kind of that balance between the you know, the rogue-type skills where they could do the, you know, the repair and the fixing and the computer hacking, but they were no slouches when it came to combat, either. Um, but usually when I play role-playing games, I always like playing fighter warrior classes, so I, that's why I played the soldier first. And well, then, well, I'm more of the rogue thief type character. Yeah, so. and I, I know this is, for those of us who know us personally, um, it's probably no surprise hearing you say that, you know, you usually liked playing the rogue or the scout, and I like playing the soldier because just a little background for those of you who haven't been gaming with Steve and I for several years. Um, usually whenever we play Dungeons and Dragons or other role-playing games when we were younger, Usually, I always like playing fighters and rangers and warriors, whereas Steve 
he was the one that usually was the party thief or scout where he would, you know, sneak ahead and look for traps and do the other fun stuff that rogues get to do, right? Yep. And thieves do it better from behind, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I used that joke in one of my D&D sessions and we, we had this, because uh, our halfling thief in the party backstabbed someone and, you know, I just made the comment, thieves do it better from behind and table cracked up so we had to take a few minutes to calm down but anyways carrying on so of course you're only this uh, initial class for part of the game and i like how they introduce the jedi classes because okay this is probably gonna go without saying we're gonna have some spoiler alerts in this game uh as we are going to talk about plot points but i don't know if we really need uh spoiler alerts for games that are about 10 years old what <laughs> but well, so after you've, uh, so you, you escape your ship and you get down to what was the planet Tarsus, I think, or Taurus. Taurus. And I don't know. I personally thought that section was a lot of fun because, uh, of course, you were wandering around the different, um, you know, parts of the city. You start out the, the higher part of the city, you went to the lower part of the city, and then finally to the bottom and. Um, it is kind of a shame that that planet got destroyed because honestly, I think they could have made an entire adventure about this, that single planet that you started on. And one of the things I thought was so interesting is that it was this multi-level planet. On the surface of the planet. Basically, from what I know, from what I've seen of it, it's basically a smaller version of Coruscant. Yeah. Uh, cause the, at the very bottom, you know, where the actual planet surface was, that's where you had kind of the lower classes that were trying to eke out uh, in existence. And, of course, you had the rock viewers, where the these troll-like creatures that, you know, if they they killed you or if they poisoned you, you would also become a rock ghoul. And your character didn't actually become a rock ghoul, but you saw NPC, it happened to NPCs. And then the, um, you know, then... Above that, you had kind of the middle layers where, again, kind of the seedy underbelly, the less than reputable part, and then you had the top layers, and that's where you had the, you know, the higher classes. So honestly, I think that would have, that would have been an entire, that would have been just a really fun planet to explore in more detail if you could. Yeah. And so after that, you get to Dantooine. And on Dantooine, you get to finally become a Jedi, which of course we've got three, the three Jedi classes that'll make a, an appearance in the second one, uh, the Jedi Guardians, the Jedi Sentinels, and the Jedi Counselors. I always liked playing the Jedi Guardian. I know my first playthrough, I started out as a soldier and then went to the Jedi Guardian, so that basically my character was just a monster fighter. What was your favorite Jedi class to play? I went from being the uh, the scout, being the sentinel. Of course, you have your your uh, supporting cast. Uh, there was Bastilla Shan, who was the first Jedi you encountered. What did you think of her? Well, like uh, I don't know if it was like other people who tell me about it or inside the game, but yeah, she had that stuck up attitude because apparently due to her having this one mysterious Jedi ability, you know, everyone was like, oh, you know, they, they were basically treating her like a princess. Yeah, battle meditation. Yeah. Basically, she was getting a stuck-up attitude going, hey, since I'm the only one that's got this power, you got to listen to me. She did have some cool abilities, and I thought it worked well with her being a Jedi Sentinel and having the, the double-bladed lightsaber. But yeah, she was a snob, so she was kind of a hard character to, to get into. Um, then the funny thing is, is she was only a Padawan. Mm -hmm. She was only a Padawan. Yeah. And then you had the, the, the next Jedi you could meet. And that was, uh, Juhani. Well, don't forget the, well, don't forget the very first person you meet is Karth. Yes. Okay. We'll go, go to Karth, who I think he was supposed to be this game's version of Han Solo, where he was primarily a pilot and a soldier. Though, that's pretty much the only similarities he has to Han Solo, because uh, he isn't really a scoundrel. 
So, I don't know. He came off as a little whiny sometimes. But other than that, he was a pretty good character. Uh, of course, he could do the ranged combat. He could do the melee combat. So he was a good uh, fill-in party member for wherever you needed him. And then also while on the early part of the game, you meet your Wookiee, uh, Zalabar, and his Twi'lek friend, Mission. So they were kind of an interesting duo, because uh, again, you had Zalabar, who I liked him. I personally thought Zalabar was a fun character. Again, just basically Wookiee scout, so very powerful fighter. Uh, you didn't want to mess with him. And Mission, she was also an interesting character as well, because she did have I don't think she they really went too much in her past, but she did have kind of a childlike innocence about her. Well, considering she was a teenager. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they, they talked, of course, a little bit about how the, the two of them met. And then we also had, of course, your robots, uh, T4 and HK-47. I don't know. I I really didn't I use the droids T3 very much. M4. Pardon? T3M4. Oh, T3. Okay. I thought it was T4. Okay, well, anyways, T3M4, which, yeah, I really didn't use the droids very much. I mean, HK-47 and T3M4 are essentially this game's version of C-3PO and R2-D2, where T3M4 is like R2-D2. He's your astromech droid. Not really much of a fighter, but he's really good with skills. He can... He gets good skill points. Basically, when I used him, he, he was my biggest uh, computer hacker. Yeah, that's pretty much what he was best for, computer hacking and uh, picking locks. Yeah, HK-47, he was a protocol droid that also was an assassin droid as well. Talk about a fun combination. Great cover, too. Yeah, I don't know. I, I did like HK-47 when I had to use him because he was funny. Uh, he was kind of that dark humor character in the, the story. Because uh, since he was a protocol droid, you needed him to talk to the sand people. And when you come up to... Uh, remember when you, you first go to the sand people, you know, of course, HK-47 is interpreting for you, and he tells you what the sand people said, and of course he's like, shall I blast him, master? <laughs> yeah. And then, the, of course, you had the other two... Oh, yes. Almost forgot uh, the Mandalorian. His name just fell out of my head. Candrus. Candrus. Kind of an okay character, basically just a fighter. I really didn't find anything special about him. I think he was more of a. I think he was a little better as a melee fighter than a ranged fighter. Did you use him very often, or? I used him a couple times, but for me, he was more my heavy tank, range weapon. He was one that used the heavy blaster. Yeah, and I think he also he also had a re uh, a cybernetic implant that let him slowly regenerate. Yeah, and well, then he had a slot that you could put an implant in. Actually, I thought he I thought he had that by default. Because I uh, I'm have again. Yeah, it's been it's, a while since I played the game. Yeah, same here. Because I know in the second game you could get cybernetic implants. But I think in the first one, you only, I think, uh, Candrus was the only one that had him. But, and then we've got the two Jedi you meet in there. Uh, there was Jolie Bindu, who was, I think, supposed to be kind of the equivalent of a Mace Windu. And, Mace Windu slash Obi-Wan. Yeah, he was a Jedi counselor. He was an interesting character because he wasn't dark side and he wasn't light side. He was kind of that gray area, but still a very, fun character to play, and Juhani was the other Jedi you meet, who was uh, another Jedi Guardian. So, usually for me, my party consisted of the, the two people I usually took with me were Juhani, and usually either Jolie or or Bastila, depending on what the situation was. Um, the other ones I said I didn't really use as much. I think I probably tended to use Karth more than uh, than Candorous. Yeah, same with me. Unless I decided, you know, eh, let me be more on my darker side and bring in uh, Candorous. <laughs> yeah, or if you were in a situation like uh, you 
you know, if you knew that you were going to need someone who could pick locks or hack into computers, then yeah, you were probably would want to uh, bring along like Mission or um, T3M4 because those guys were always, those two characters were always very handy. But yeah, once you got, once you finally became a Jedi and you could return to the Ebon Hawk, this is where I really enjoyed the game because it had a very sandbox open feel to it. You know, because in addition to Dantooine, uh, you could go to, let's see, there was Manan, Tatooine, what was Korriban, and Kashyyyk. Yep, so you had the these planets that you could just kind of bounce back and forth through, through most of the game. Um, at least until Dantooine is destroyed, um, but that's another story. And this, of course, has one, this game was famous for having a a plot twist that I don't think anyone really saw coming. And that was you find out the character you're playing was actually Darth Revan, this this Dark Lord of the Sith that you've been hearing about through the entire game. What was your opinion when you heard about that, or what was your reaction? Well, I somewhat had a clue about it, but, you know, definitely was interesting when you finally got to that point in the game when your character realized, wait a minute, this Darth Revan that everyone's complaining about it's actually me. <laughs> yeah, because that actually took me by surprise. I, I mean, looking back, yeah, there were some subtle clues, but I don't know that. I don't think they really. I, I don't think they gave you a lot to really figure it out too early. Yeah, the, the, the biggest clues early that I saw that you know a friend of mine had mentioned it's like, all right, you have Basla and your character has this psionic connection. And you're seeing visions of Revan's past. Yeah, and there was another one when you're doing your Jedi training. There was a one of the Jedi Masters. I can't remember the name. I just know he was voiced by Ed Asner, and he mentioned the um, that he was afraid of you becoming a Jedi because he thought it would lead you down a dark, familiar path. So I think that was probably one of the bigger hints in the beginning that you know your character was actually Darth Revan, but. All in all, like I said, the game's a lot of fun. It had some, again, had a lot to do. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about it is a lot of the choices you made could get you either light side or dark side points. And it shows the transition from light side to dark side as being a very gradual process, um, which is different than a lot of the Star Wars games I've played, like in you know, Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy, and Force Unleashed. You know, again, where you have to eventually get the choice to go to light side or dark side, it happens usually near the end of the game. But this, you can pretty much start becoming light side or dark side whenever you want. So I thought that was a good thing. Yeah. And then, any other thoughts on Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, other than the fact that it's a really awesome game? Uh, you know, depending on what route you win and what you did in the game, you know, the, the ending basically just said, well, congratulations, we, if you went to light side and destroyed the, uh, you know, Darth Malik yep. and the Starforge, you know, it said congratulations, there's more balance in, in the Republic now, you know, you're, you're now considered a hero of the Republic, and it's like, wow, in five years, I went from enemy number one to hero. Yep, and then of course, if uh, I did like the dark side ending of the game, um, where uh, it shows you on the, you know, of course, be becoming the new Dark Lord of the Sith, and if my memory serves me correctly, I think it shows you on the bridge of the of the of the, the Star Forge, and then it shows this huge fleet of of uh, destroyers, pre-star destroyers flying out. So both. That's another reason I like the game, is both endings were fulfilling. And I plan to do an entire show someday about video game endings, but yeah, Knights of the Old Republic had a very good ending. Either way. Yep. And a couple years later, they came out with its sequel. Now, one of the, and it doesn't really seem to matter with video games, movies, sequels are a mixed bag. Some people go into a sequel with the expectation that it's going to be worse than the original. 
and again, this is another thing that I'm sure we could do an entire show about someday, how, again, sometimes sequels are better than the original, sometimes they're worse, sometimes they're not really worse or better. So as a sequel, what was your opinion of Knights of the Old Republic 2? Well, I would have to say some of the features actually made the game more interesting, where other features was like, eh, uh, I guess. Yeah, because before we go into the game, um, you know, in depth, I would have to say I liked the character development options better in uh, Knights to the Sith Lords. However, the only thing I didn't like as much was the plot. The plot for the Sith Lords felt forced. It, no, no pun intended. Forced, forced Star Wars. Get it? <laughs> Nothing. Do I have to? Do I have to insert a sound effect of crickets here? Chirp, 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 chirp. <laughs> Shut up. Anyway, who asked you? Oh wait, I did. But anyways, yeah. Um, as I said the plot. It, it seemed kind of railroaded in a way. Um, it didn't have as much of the open end feeling that the the first game did. But other than that, you had some really good character development options. You had more feats you could choose from. And you might remember Battle Meditation. From the first one, you could actually choose that as a feat. But one of the things that I loved about this game is it introduced something called Influence. As you're traveling with your companions, you know, of course, you had different uh, actions you could take at certain times during the game. Now, depending on the action you took, if you had certain members in your party, you would either gain or lose influence depending on the decisions that you made. For example, some characters, they respected kindness. A good example, Bodur. Uh, his race, for those who've seen Star Wars Episode One, he's more or less the same race as Darth Maul, except he's not evil. Well, anyways, uh, for example, he respects kindness and compassion. One of the first characters you meet, uh, Kira was, was that her name? The, the Kira? Yeah. Uh, the, the old woman. Yep. She respects manipulation and control. Um, so again, these different choices you make had different outcomes. Uh, for example, in this game, you return to Dantooine. And when you get to Dantooine, there, you find out that there's a, a city that's been established not far from the, remains of the ruins of the Jedi Temple, uh, which was destroyed in the first game. And you find out there's these mercenaries that are planning to take over this, this settlement. Well, one of the things you can do is, well, you go into the cave to rescue one of the Jedi Masters that uh, you remember from the first game. And again, this guy who was voiced by Ed Asner. Um, again, if, if I heard his name, I'd probably remember it. Anything ringing a bell with you, or I mean, you know which guy I'm talking about. Yeah. But yes, I just know he was voiced by Ed Asner. Well, anyways, um, once you rescue him and you leave the cave, you're confronted by these mercenaries, and you're given a they offer you a deal to sabotage the settlement's defenses. Um, which if you say yes, then they pretty much leave you alone and trust you're going to do what you said you were going to do. If you say no, then they attack you. Now, if you've got Kiera in the party, remember, she she respects manipulation and control. If you tell her, if you tell these mercenaries that, yeah, I'll go in and I'll sabotage the defenses, she you gain influence with her because she'll be like, well played. With both sides of the conflict, depending on you for assistance, you can manipulate this, you know, the outcome however you see fit. Now, if you have Brianna in the party, who goes by the Handmaiden, uh, she's a soldier. If you say no and you decide you're going to fight the mercenaries instead, you gain influence with her then because she's impressed with the fact that you're not taking the easy way out. And this is actually quite important because when you 
uh, get enough influence with different party members, they will uh, sometimes they'll turn into they'll become Jedi. Other times they you'll they'll teach you a new skill. You'll gain other um, you'll gain some uh, special perk from them. Like the which ones turn? I mean, I I think most of them, with the exception of the Mandalore, can turn into Jedi. Oh, and Hanhar. Well, let's get, we'll talk about characters in just a moment. Um, anything anything you remember that really stuck out you stuck out for you about the the influence system? Eh, not really, but a, a lot of it also came from how you created your player character. Because your party depends on two things. You know, one, what gender is your character depends on what certain party member you get. Or, or you know, whether you're leaning more towards the light side or the dark side depends if you get one character or the other. Yeah, and I liked that part too because... It gave you more options for when you're doing your playthrough. Uh, during the course of your journey, you come and you meet a scout and a soldier. The, the scouts that you receive are either, how was it, Mira? Uh, Mira or the, uh, Hanhar, the Wookiee. Wookiee. Yeah. It yeah. depended on your, uh, relation to whether you're leaning good or bad. Yes. Because, yeah, if you're leaning more light side, you got Mira. If you are leaning dark side, you got Hanhar. When you came time to get your soldier in the party, if you're male, you got the handmaiden. And if you are female, you get a character called the disciple. So let's talk a little bit about some of the characters here. What do you think about the characters in Knights of the Old Republic 2 compared to Knights of the Old Republic 1? Well, other than, you know, the few that carried over, like HK and uh, T3, some of them basically was, you know, just the equivalent of what was in number one. Like, uh, Anton was basically your car. Yeah, he was a little closer to Han Solo, though, because not only was he a pilot, I remember he was a scoundrel. Because uh, he, um, again, he had the thieving abilities, and when you, you first meet him, he's locked in a cell. So, yeah, he's a thief. <laughs> well, yeah, if you go through his uh, history line. By now, he was also an assassin for Jedi. Yeah, and one of the things that's kind of interesting is if you do get enough influence with him, he eventually teaches you a little a trick that gives you a bonus to your will saves. Because uh, there's a scene when you're on the Ebon Hawk, and you talk to Kira, and you start meditating. You, you can kind of read the thoughts of your party members. And Atten, you find out he's playing Kazak in his head. And he find out well because yeah he was an assassin who killed Jedi. One of the things he he found helped resist mind control and mind reading is he would start playing Pazak in his head, which for those who aren't aware, uh, Pazak is a card game in this in the Knights games. That's it's similar to blackjack, except the object is to get twenty instead of twenty one. So yeah, by either adding plus or minus cards. Yeah, and uh, during the course of your game, sometimes you would find... You could actually build your own Pazak deck, which was pretty cool. Because you had certain cards that would let you uh, either add or subtract from your your point total. I don't know. I was never very good at Pazak. What about you? Yeah, me neither. I, I played it for, you know, the... Do you want to learn how to play it? I'm like, yeah, sure. And that was basically the last time I pretty much played it in the game. But I do know if you were more into playing it, I know there was that one side quest that dealt with, you know, having to be a Pazak player. Yeah, and basically the reason you would play the Pazak is to get credits. Um, so again, it was just kind of a nice little side thing you could do. But yeah, we had Kira. She was kind of your equivalent of Jolie from the first one in that she was also a Jedi Counselor. But again, def very different as far as personality because whereas Jolie was this wise, sage-like character, you know, while Kira was certainly wise, she also tried to teach you to manipulate and control people. Um, Candorus does make a return, except in this one he appears in full body armor and he's simply called the Mandalore. Whereas uh, he's the leader of the Mandalorians in this game. Um, there's a new droid that you got that you were introduced to 
His name fell Goto. out of my head. Goto. Goto, yes. Zero. <laughs> yep. And Bo Derg, uh, who he was he's essentially a mechanic, but also a pretty good fighter. Um, I don't think he really had an equivalent to anyone in the first one. The closest I could think is he was kind of similar to like um Johanny in that he was a war he was a he was a good fighter. However, you could if you got enough influence with him, you could eventually turn him into uh, a Jedi guardian. Um Mira and Anton, I know they could also become Jedi as well, as could the Disciple and Brianna. Isn't is that were those all the characters or am I, are we missing anyone? Uh let's see here. So yeah, Atten, Kiera, uh the droids, go to um uh, uh that uh Marluka. Oh uh, yes. I forget her name. Yeah, she was an interesting character because you do have to fight her and do you are you given a chance to kill her or Well, I, I think there is the option where you can kick her away. But I know one thing is, is you need her when you fight one of the Sith Lords because she was one of the apprentices to that Sith Lord that, and she decided to side with you. But yeah, those were all your characters. So again, had a pretty good range of characters. My, I'd say, I have to say my favorite of the new ones is probably Mira. One of the things I loved about her is she had an, an armband that she could put up, she could equip. And she could use that to launch rockets, darts, and grenades. Um, also, I know she was immune to mines. So if you wanted to collect mines from, uh, you know, from, from enemy territory, she was really good at that as well. Any characters stand out for you? Well, it depended on what gender I played and whether I was more light or dark. You know, yeah, I like Mira better than Hanhar. Cause you know, the only thing that I saw for Hanhar was he, he had the strength so he could do big damage. But that was pretty much it. Out of the two, Mira was actually the better pick. Because, yeah, first she started out as this little scoundrel. But then she could then become a Jedi and have more abilities. Yeah, she could. I believe she became a Jedi Sentinel. And one of the things that was interesting about this game is you actually did start out as a Jedi. And when you got to a certain point, you chose the prestige class. So which of the prestige classes was your favorite? Well, I think, uh, I said, since I was mostly the rogue, I stuck with the, uh, rogue's version, which I think is Watchmen. But, uh, like you, like you, I, I can't remember what any of those prestige classes are called again. <laughs> yeah. I'm the same. I liked the, you know, I, I liked sticking with my warrior ones, which, again, I, Jedi Battlemaster may have been it, but yeah, that one was always a lot of fun. I remember Jedi Master was the one that was the, essentially the counselor upgrade where you were focusing more on your, on your force powers. So all in all, uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2 was a good game. It's, it had a few little quirks. We already mentioned the plot. One of the other big problems is the game wasn't actually finished. Do you, Now, what are some of the clues in the game that told you that, hey, wait a second, this game uh, isn't complete? Well, I know there was a couple storylines where, because I've read in a couple game books when they were trying to introduce it, it's like, yeah, there was this storyline that they wanted to add, but by the time the game came out, they left it out, that they were going to put it in Knights of the Old Republic 3. And as everyone knows, there is no number 3. Yeah, because I think what they decided to do instead of number 3, that's when they decided to create the MMO. Um, Have you ever played the Old Republic MMO? Well, I had a friend that tried to get me into it. I got the game. I got a couple books on it. You know, down, got it all loaded in. Played it for a little bit, you know, hooked up with his uh, guild or whatever it was called again. And then I just stopped playing. Yeah, I'm I'm not really into MMOs. 
you know, if that's your thing, hey, good on you. Whatever floats your boat. But I don't know. I, I just never really got into them. Uh, there was the, I know one of the plots was they wanted to have you go to a new planet where you would have been uh, finding out who was sending these assassin droids after you. Because through most of the game, you're hunted down by these assassin droids, HK-50s, which are essentially clones of HK-47. And there is one part of the game where where HK-47, he does uh, kind of insinuate that there's this factory that is somehow producing these models and he wants to find them because he thinks they're inferior to him. But on the other hand, he realizes that if he kills him, it's kind of like he's killing himself. So that was kind of one of the things that he wasn't sure what to do on. Um, I also know that the Nar Shaddaa level, there's one part of the map. I don't know if you remember where the docks are. Yeah. Uh, where uh, you're exploring that area. There is a, uh, there's a section of the map that you just can't seem to get to. So not sure what they would have put there. And I'm sure there's probably people out there that have tried to do some restoration of the game. But yeah, unfortunately, the game was just rushed, so they never quite got around to finishing it. It would have been nice, though, if they would have put a little bit more effort into the ending. Let's talk about the ending of Knights of the Old Republic. The ending for Knights of the Old Republic 1, as we mentioned before, was nice. It, it was fulfilling. Kind of wrapped everything up nicely. What was your impression of the ending for Knights of the Old Republic 2? Basically, when you defeated Kira, who you come to find out is actually Darth... Uh, let's see here. Treya. Yeah. She uh, basically gives you the hit, what the future is for each of your characters, with the exception of Bola Derb, because it's uh, hinted at he didn't survive. Yeah, and then she also couldn't see the droids either. But uh moment you you went and asked about everyone, and then you went, okay, yep, you, you, you can finally die now. She drops dead, and then the whole building where you're at suddenly starts collapsing. And then you come out to outside the thing. Evan Hawk lowers down and then takes off. Yeah. That, and I, that's yeah, it was disappointing to say the least. I've seen games for the NES that had better endings than that game. And I guess for me, it's just the, the ending didn't feel like it really resolved anything. I mean, yeah, you got to learn about the future of your characters, but other than that, it's like, okay, what's happening to the last planet you were on? Malachor 4, I think it was called. Yeah, you know, Malachor Five. Malachor Five, yeah. I mean, does it get destroyed? Does um, you know, does if you're on the dark side, does your character reestablish the Sith there? We don't know. So that was my other main main beef with the game is the ending just didn't really feel satisfying. Now, for this last part of the show, you're actually going to have to take charge here because we're going to be talking about something I haven't really had experience with. Now, after the Knights of the Old Republic games and the MMO, they did release the comic books. And they I know they also did release an action figure for Darth Revan, but they I don't think they really released anything else other than that. Um, I Again, they had the comic books and... And there's been books out. And then and they also did a... I know Wizards, they, they made a revised version of the D20 system just for Star Wars. And they came out with a D20 ver with a uh, an expansion for the Knights of the Old Republic. So why don't you tell us first about the comic books for Old Republic that you're familiar with? Well, when uh, the comic book for Knights of the Old Republic came out, when I first saw that, I thought it was going to, you know, talk about time in between, maybe one and two or after number two. No, the first uh, 50 comics, because it was a 50 comic book uh, storyline, actually was a prequel to Knights of the Old Republic 1. Took place like 10, 15 years maybe before Knights of the Old Republic 1. 
And then you also mentioned they had the the, the Knights of the Old Republic expansion for uh, the Star Wars role-playing game that Wizards made. Did you have a chance to look through it much, or have you ever had a chance to actually play it, or did you just get it to read it because you liked the Old Republic? Well, like the previous uh, podcast where I, um, where I explained about my situation of being able to role-play, you know, basically, I just got the book because, hey, it talks about the Old Republic. Yeah, sure, I'll get it. You know, read it through. Basically using it as a partial reference book. So it's kind deal. of a fun thing to read when you're not on duty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing a lot of people have been wondering is what happened with Revan. I know that, you know, when they started coming out with, you know, the MMO Old Republic, well, they started coming out with books in the series of Old Republic. And one of the books that they came out with was titled Revan. And in that book, it basically gave you, once they got around to saying, hey, this is what happened back in the day, you find out Revan is actually male. So all those of us that played as a female Revan, <laughs> yeah, we played in an alternate reality. Yeah, non-canon. <laughs> So canon, Revan was male, and the Exile, the main character in number two, is actually female. Yeah, you find out that in canon, uh, the Exile's name is Mitra. Okay. Well, thanks again for helping me out with this topic, Steve. Uh, Again, for the listeners out there, if you still have a working Xbox and you do happen to come across Knights of the Old Republic 1 or Knights of the Old Republic 2, uh, definitely check them out if you have a chance. And one of the nice things about uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2 is it's not necessary to play Knights of the Old Republic 1 in order to understand it because early on in the game, they give you some options to kind of fill in what happened. So with that said, uh, again, I'd like to thank you for all, all for listening. Please visit POIGamestudio.com and feel free to look up Point of Insanity Game Studio on Facebook and like the page. Uh, if you have any ideas for future topics, please contact me either through my website or through Facebook. Thanks again for joining us and have a good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and happy gaming.